an ex-alcoholic, drug addict, criminal, hustler, womanizer, fighter, liar, manipulator, player, drug dealer, thief, abuser, hypocrite, and a worldly confused individual. My name is Ben Lively. I'm not who I was before. I'm a born-again child of the Most High God, anointed, chosen, set apart, and called to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach Christians the truth of God's word. I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not compromise, play any games, or waste time with this mission from on high. I know that in and of myself, I am nothing. I need God for every breath I take and every move I make. I have Christ living in me, and I'm burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm different now and forevermore. This earth is not my home. I know that, and I declare it boldly. I'm strong in prayer, praying in power, and in the Spirit. I will preach, teach, deliver, evangelize, prophesy, baptize, and build up groups of believers as God allows. He is working through me as I'm surrendered to His service as an instrument of righteousness. And if you know me or get to know me, you'll realize that I take no credit for this, but God gets all the glory. In Christ I live, and to heaven I will rise. so much for tuning in and welcome everyone hope you're well i'm your host ben lively and you are listening to shaken awake episode number 16 i just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment and listen if you find any value in today's episode please pass the news pass the podcast name and link to a friend, family member, or colleague that you feel uh, would benefit from this show and become blessed as you are through the words that the Lord shares through these messages. It's probably one of the easiest things you can do to help spread the word. Just pass the resource on and let God do the rest. And just a note, if you haven't checked out the new uh, Shaken Awake website yet, go check it out. It's uh, been refreshed to make navigation and transcripts of each episode and past episodes so much easier uh, to find and just get in, get out on whatever device you find yourself on. Plus, you can subscribe to the podcast and be alerted of any news and or uh, new episodes that get released. And if you've written me an email within the past two weeks, would you kindly resend it? I discovered that once the website server was offline, so were the emails. So they weren't received by me for those that sent me a message in the past two weeks. Thank you in advance and sorry for that inconvenience. As always, I promise you another great show today, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He's always right there with you even when you think he's not. So let's get ready to invite him in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to your hearts and minds. So I was hoping to have a guest on uh, who was an ex-mafia gangster that found the Lord inside a federal prison cell on a 15-year sentence, but that will have to wait uh, due to an incident that God used to change his life. His speech is not let's say podcast ready, which I did not know prior to announcing him for the upcoming show. However, him and I are in touch and communicating via email. So when his book is released soon, I will tell his story in his words for him and give his book a shot out. It's definitely 
a do not miss deliverance story straight from heaven. So listen out uh, for more in the weeks uh, to come on that. So here goes today as today's topic is the unsaved Christians. Who are they? The point of today's episode that I really want to hit home for all of you is the one that God and his Holy Spirit revealed to me within the past couple of years and extremely uh, heavily within the past couple of months. So God has helped me see it through his lens, his living word, the Bible, and through the spiritual mirror that I had refused to look at my entire life. For that's what I truly was. It wasn't a backslidden Christian, for I was never a true Christian to begin with. I was a unsaved Christian, a fraud, a deceived and worldly individual, a hypocrite, less than a Pharisee, an individual with unconscious blasphemy against God, a prideful, self-sufficient, and filled with self-interest that made myself my God. I relied on one verse only, John 3, 16, ignoring the other 31,101 verses in the Bible that also provide definition and a roadmap of a saved Christian. Thus, headed down the path of destruction that most find missing the straight and narrow one that very few find, says our Lord. It's a topic that he's placed in front of me to speak with you on today. One thing I won't do is replace the Bible with what I have to share with you today. One of God's countless ways he's called me and the Holy Spirit has convicted me is from my personal testimony. If you haven't listened by now, please do to episode number one of Shaken and uh, Shaken Awake and conviction that everything I ever needed or wanted to know was always right there in front of me, the Bible. Through hearing many testimonies of people that were saved in a similar manner as I also confirmed as well that reading the Bible helped change their lives forever, not just a little, but the major contributing factor in having their lives and an eternity change forever as did mine. So no matter how many preachers or pastors said to me and the congregation, the Bible has every answer to life inside of it. I either didn't believe them, I didn't care, or didn't make it important enough in my life to seek out the truth. Now that I have, I know that in Revelation chapter uh, chapter 22, the last book in the Bible, it states clearly starting in verse 17 and ending in verse 19. I'm using the uh, New Living Translation here. You can use any version you prefer and you'll find the same. So in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Verse 18, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book, verse 19. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will re remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. So with that said, I'm very careful in wording what is revealed to me by God and the Holy Spirit so that I'm not misrepresenting or adding to or taking from. It's why I use scripture to back up everything I say here on the podcast. 
My ultimate desire is, as I said a few episodes ago, my, my, my hope and my goal is to help put a rock in your shoe. Jesus will do the rest to those that seek him. Simply put, I want you to read your Bible all the way through. Since I cannot help you do that, if you do, and once you do, there is 0% doubt in my heart and mind that your Christian life will be changed forever. If it's been some time since you have, 5, 10, 15, 20 more years since you have, the same applies. It will be different this time around. I guarantee it. 2 Timothy 4, verse 16 and 17 from the Apostle Paul states, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So let's dig into the word today, shall we? For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the, the truth and chase after myths. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. So Paul's account of a man named uh, Damas illustrates how some men allow the good life Okay, to turn them into deserters. Paul wrote that Damas had deserted him because he loved the things of this life. That's in 2 Timothy 4.10. Damas wasn't running from danger. He was running towards the comforts offered by this world. And the apostle John had a few things to say to men like Damas. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, he wrote. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. That's 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Jesus too commented on those of Damas's kind. He compared them to a well-seeded plot of ground that failed to produce a crop. All too quickly, he said, the Christian message in their lives gets crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, he said in Matthew 13, 22. And so they desert. Comfort may lure a man and woman away from faith as easily as danger. So James, the brother of Jesus, states in James 4 to 7, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Verse seven, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So what it means to be a saved Christian, at least according to uh, culture, has changed over the years. Many people think that going to church occasionally or simply believing in God makes them a Christian, but the Bible presents a different perspective and definition of a Christian. A Christian is someone whose behavior and heart reflect Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. So Acts 11.26 says, For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They were called Christians because their speech and behavior were like Christ. So what does it mean to behave like Christ? As a Christian, someone who has put faith and trust in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross and subsequent resurrection, our behavior mirrors, reflects, and resembles Christ. Being gracious and merciful to others is behaving like Christ. Forgiving, loving, and praying for enemies is Christ-like. Welcoming and serving the disregarded or the least among us is being like Jesus. Caring for the sick, needy, underprivileged, widowed, orphaned, poor, abused, and vulnerable, those who are last, mirrors and reflects the Son of Man. Striving for justice resembles Jesus, but it's not simply good works that make someone a Christian. Being a follower and disciple of Jesus extends beyond our outward behavior. It includes the condition of our heart. So what does it mean to have a a Christian heart? When we put our faith and trust in Christ, when we commit our lives to serving him and serving others as he served us, our behavior and mindset reflects the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Christ is with us and in us. We are new creations. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Our old way of thinking is gone. Our motivation, desires, and purpose are replaced with delight in the things of God. The joys and pleasures of our lives are exponentially enhanced through our relationship with Christ and our selfish and worldly pursuits are exchanged for or desire and honor and honoring God. Life in Christ is not a life of, I don't get to do what I like. It's not a life of loss. Instead, it's a life of abundance where what I used to like and desire pales in comparison to what my heart now desires. Saved Christians see, feel, and experience the world in a different way, a much grander, deeper, and meaningful way. And one of the new ways we see the world is through the lens of others first. For example, Christians are called to love the orphan and widow and care for those less fortunate. God's concern for the vulnerable or disregarded is apparent in his command for us to defend them. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's James chapter 1, verse 27. 
So a Christian heart living out Christian values results in concrete care and compassion for others. It's characterized by active love for others. That's the meaning of compassion. Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's John 13, 34 through 35. So what Christian values separate the saved Christian from the unsaved Christian? A saved Christian is someone whose behavior and heart reflects Jesus Christ. That's what what it means to be a Christian. And applying Christian values is to be the intention of every follower of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's Philippians 4.9. As we read God's word, we know God better and understand his purpose for us in the world. We learn the values he holds dear and we grow to love those values too. The Holy Spirit works through us to spread God's love through good works, leading others to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Works do not provide faith or salvation. Faith without works is dead. For true faith produces true works. God is very clear in his word how to apply each of the Christian values he holds dear. One way saved Christians can tell if they hold to the values God holds dear is how they treat others. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's Romans 12, 9 through 10. The Bible says those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. That's Proverbs 28, 27. Poverty is uncomfortable, and sometimes it's easier to look away. It's easier to pretend we didn't see the lack, lack of hope, lack of worth. Just like this verse says, we close our eyes to the oppressed. Oftentimes, we don't value generosity. You know, Jesus looked people in need directly in the eyes. He saw them. As their creator, he loved them. He didn't turn his eyes away from poverty or illness. He stopped and gave people hope. He wasn't motivated by what people in need could offer him. He had genuine love for them and wanted to help meet their needs, physical, emotional, and spiritual. He acted with compassion. Christians are called to do the same. We're called to look people in the eye and help meet the needs we see. As Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I cannot and will not, nor can I, I cannot say whether or not you're a saved Christian or an unsaved Christian. I can say with godly certainty that I was an unsaved Christian my entire life. Here's the checklist that perhaps you can ponder to help you or someone you know and love to help be one of the truly saved Christians that embody John 3.16. See, it's the definition of believeth in him and what you do if you truly believeth in him that defines whether John 3.16 applies to you or hopefully the future you. How much time? Well, we all have 24 hours in our day. How much time and effort do you spend loving 
God. Reading his word, praying, seeking him in life's circumstances, good or bad, worshiping him and obeying him. How much time, and again, we all have 24 hours in our day, how much time and effort do you spend loving your neighbor as yourself, helping others in need, putting other people's needs above your own, seeking to help the lost, setting a good example of Christ and being the salt and light so that others see Jesus in you? How much time and effort do you put into yourself and the things of this world, love of money and things it can buy you, pursuit of pleasure and things that will be, quite frankly, irrelevant once your time is up, putting more faith and interest into the people, the systems, the government, the news of this world than you do with God in his world, uh, word. Working on things that have no spiritual meaning, creating no value in the kingdom of God for eternity. How much time and effort do you spend trying to live a life of obedience and holiness to your father God and walking in the footsteps of, of Jesus? How? How do you do so? This is a but a fraction of the checklist you should have to balance the scales of what the living word of God says and what the world and or you believe it to be, no? If the shoe fits, kick it off. Jesus' death on the cross and God's resurrection of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was never and will never be for the unsaved Christian, but for those that truly believeth in him. If you truly believe in something, how do you respond to that thing? If you believe in your parachute, you'll pull it mid-flight without hesitation. If you don't, you won't jump from the plane to begin with. If you believe you love a thing, your actions, not words or thoughts, will prove it. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, will you willingly live in them or seek to resist the devil so he will flee you? If you believe you'll face judgment and eternal punishment for judging others, would you continue judging? If you believe that the two most important commandments for inheriting the kingdom per Jesus is to love God with all your mind, your heart, and your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself, how do you continue living as you are? If you believe that we are to seek God for everything we need, you won't rely on the things of this world to get you through each day. Does loving someone or something mean only loving when you want to love or loving every chance you get? If you believe in eternity and know that what you believe, do and put your faith in determines when, or I'm sorry, where you spend your eternity or are you, you truly living each day for the end in mind? What race is set before you that you're running right now? See, the finish line is the last breath you take on earth. Will you be past it or not even close? If you believe in and love something truly, you won't put anything before or above it. Not God anyway. That's defined in the Bible as an idol. Idol worshipers are the unsaved and have no place in heaven. If you truly believe the Bible, what does it say about the rich? And most importantly, why? What's the difference between the rich and those that are rich in worldly pleasures and pursuits? Here's a hint, nothing. My final statement is this, everyone has one chance. It's called life. 
It's the dressing room for eternity. What you choose to do as God gives everyone free will will determine your eternal resting place and the intensity of that place, whether heaven or hell. The Bible is not only the only true fact checker in life, it's also the playbook of life, the roadmap of life, the checklist, the litmus test of life. There is no almost Christian and there is no almost saved. Therefore, there is no almost heaven. There's no second chances, no reset button and no going back. My final question is, where will your first breath take place once your last breath is taken here on earth? That's up to you and God. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. And I, I hope you were touched by God through today's messages and, and scripture. I'd like to ask you a favor only if, only if you've received any value out of today's show, would you tell at least one person you know, call them, text them, email them, talk to them, tell them to give the show a listen. It may just help them in their walk with Christ. And also please join our Facebook group. It's the Shaken Awake podcast and stay in touch throughout the week. And also I really need your support. If you could give me a quick uh, review or rating on your podcast app, it takes literally three seconds. I'd love that help and support from you guys, which would also allow the, the Lord and the uh, Holy Spirit to reach even more lives through this broadcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact. You can also email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com or even call or text me directly for any reason at 407-493-3208. Again, that number is 407 407- 493-3208. I want your feedback. I want your questions. I want your ideas, requests, criticisms, corrections. You know, if it's important to you, it's absolutely important to me. And also, if you'd like to be a guest of the show, please reach out to me as well. If you have a life or eternity changing story you'd like to share, please let me know and I'll schedule you in. We do not hear enough of the truth these days or the positive ways of God and Jesus Christ these days. And this podcast with your help is going to help change that up. So I'd love your help with this where you can. So next week, next week, tune in next Sunday or whenever you're able as we dive into another important topic, which is why and how you should witness to others, even if you're scared, afraid, nervous, or shy. So next week's episode is another powerful and do not miss episode. Thanks for joining. Until next week, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all. 